NGA celebrated the 242nd birthday of the United States Marine Corps on November 7th with special guest speaker Brigadier General Dimitri Henry, the Director of Intelligence for the Marine Corps. In this position, General Henry serves as the Commandant's Principal Intelligence Staff Officer and is the functional manager for intelligence and cryptologic activities for the Marine Corps. He formulates policy for intelligence, counterintelligence, and electronic warfare. While he was here, he took some time to chat with us about his leadership style, his views on national security, and how GeoInt fits into the evolving intelligence landscape. Stay tuned for GeoInteresting. One quick note, a clicking noise you may hear is our agency's photographer, Tony. It won't last too long, we promise. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. I just want to say thanks for visiting our Springfield campus and for taking the time to sit and chat with us. And, of course, happy birthday to the Marine Corps. Thank you. Thank you. We're very happy to have you here today. Um, wanted to start looking back at the beginning of your career, you know, as an enlisted Marine um, to now as a Brigadier General and the Director of Intelligence for the Marine Corps. How did being an enlisted Marine influence your leadership style? I, I think... Uh I had a lot of good examples, and unfortunately, I, I had some uh, leaders that uh, did not set good example. And so for me, I got a chance to see it and experience it from uh, junior Marine level to staff and CO level, and I got a chance to take the good, and uh, now I get to exercise the good. So I think uh, more, than, more than anything else, it just gave me an ability to see other leadership forms, and, and uh, I picked what I thought was the, the best of the leaderships uh, that were displayed and uh, try to utilize that in my day-to-day uh, time as a leader. Because you had a bit of a different perspective, maybe. Yeah, I, it, it does give you that uh, bit of perspective. Uh, typically, when you talk about, when you ask somebody this, it's the next question, which uh, may or may not be on your sheet, is usually, uh, do you think you know it benefits folks to be enlisted and then become an officer? And And, and I can tell you, that some of the great leaders that I saw did not have enlisted time, and some of the some of the uh, the great leaders had enlisted time. So I, I'm not uh, sure that the, what the jury is on that. I think it's still out. But I, I tell you, watching and being able to see demonstrated leadership is what what matters. Seeing the example, mm-hmm. good examples help you uh, navigate your way through um, you know different situations. And so that's for me. That's what the enlisted time allowed me to do. And speaking of different perspectives, you um, had positions at both the National Security Agency and the Defense Intelligence Agency, so two you know, different perspectives of the intelligence community. Um, what did those different experiences teach you about national security and intelligence, and how important is collaboration across the community? Well, first, first and foremost, uh, I learned that uh, there are professionals uh, serving our, our country. In, in all of those uh, areas that you just talked about, NSA, DIA, NGA, even though I haven't served here, I've, I've worked with uh, just true professionals and really uh, are doing the things that are necessary to keep us safe and to uh, help the decision makers make a better decision. And, and I've, you know, I've been out in the operating forces and a lot of times, you know, we shake our fists back at Washington and in reality, uh, having served in those organizations and having served with members of this organization, I, I can tell you uh, that's a that's a skewed look uh, mm-hmm. because they're the professionals are are there and they do a great job. So for me, serving at those two uh, agencies 
just reinforced the, the idea that uh, service is what it's all about. And uh, to a man and woman in those organizations, I've never run across anyone who didn't give 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, even though they may have come to me with problems, uh, those problems were always trying to help make the organization better. And, uh, you know, that's what I saw in my time at those two organizations. And did you see the collaboration? I mean, um, have you seen an increase over the years? Oh, I, it's certainly an increase. I, I apologize for not answering that no. part of the question, but... Uh, definitely an increase in collaboration. I mean, the the millennials and uh, the baby boomers, uh, they all, uh, I think, understand that, and the millennials more than anything. They, they enjoy collaboration. They enjoy uh, being able to sit. Actually, they don't like sitting with each other because they do it kind of spread apart. They can do it all over the world, and they're very comfortable with it. So I think the collaboration has uh, taken off because of that. And, of course, technology helps, uh, helps quite a bit, actually. Mm -hmm. So the collaboration is definitely there. It, could it could it be better? I can tell you can always be better. Uh, one of the things that I've found in all the organizations I've ever served is a lot of times so much is going on that individuals can't raise their heads up enough to see what's happening to their left and their right. And if they could do that just you know once or twice a week trying to get a feel for what else is happening in their organization, mm -hmm. the organization will be much better off because of it. And I think, you know, sometimes it's easier to understand that when you've spent time in that organization, when you're sitting alongside them. And I think that's why, you know, especially here at NGA, our leadership yeah. encourages external assignments or, um, and for example, NGA has support teams all over the world um, sitting with, you know, the warfighter, right. for example, and helping, you know, with geospatial analysis in the field. Right. How important is geospatial intelligence to the Marine Corps? And do you have any examples of how NGA products or analysis have impacted your operations? Yeah, well, certainly <laughs> geospatial products are the bedrock of what, I mean, we, we walk the earth, the Marine Corps, and we fly over it, and we float on it, on the uh, surface. So any anything we do is always... Uh, you know, we, we always have a map. We always have a map type product. We always have something that's going to show us the way. And uh, without a doubt, uh, NGA's ability to uh, the different phenomenologies that uh, we've been able to encounter in the Marine Corps, certainly as we uh, go ashore and we get to see the different things that can that can be determined off of geospatial products, uh, it it is just it is a staple of what we do. Um, Everything from, you know, not having maps uh, as you close into objective area like we didn't in Grenada. Um, I don't know if you, um, probably not old enough, which is a good thing, to uh, remember the Grenada operation. One of the things that uh, we learned on the, in on the intel side was uh, we needed to find a way to distribute uh, mapping products, not just mapping products, but all intel. And in particular for us, the Marine Corps, it was all about maps because that's what we needed at the time. We didn't have any digital products, but we had maps. And mm -hmm. we were using tourist maps, by the way, wow. uh, for that operation because that's all we had. And uh, now I would tell you that uh, because of NGA's growth and because of uh, all the work of the professionals here, that uh, everywhere I've been since, I think, I'm pretty sure everywhere I've been since, we've been able to have products that were produced here or if not produced here produced by someone forward that had been trained Working here with you, right? yeah. so it's uh it's been a great experience um 
Well, that's certainly good to hear. Yeah, it, it is. And, and uh, you know, I um, everything I'm saying is maybe flattering, but uh, it's because it's true, though. Uh, the, the thing that most uh, agencies get hit on is timeliness and, and, and that. But in reality, uh, as I uh, sit back and think about uh, the products that I've used, those products were always available. And there were things we did to modify the product to, to fit the, the need Tailor of the unit. Right. And that's what our, our Marines forward and those teams that you uh, send forward, that's what they would do for us. They would mm-hmm. take a product and make it better, uh, better in a sense that it was more tailored to our use. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's, that's what I've seen um, over the years, and I think it's only getting better now. Great. Now, over the summer, you spoke at a defense conference um, talking about changes in the battle space over the years, particularly in the cyber realm. Um, what are the biggest changes you've seen, and how do you think geospatial intelligence fits into cyber warfare? I, I think uh, the biggest changes I've seen is really uh, just pl- proliferation of communication types, um, crowdsourcing, uh, being able to you know, an event is occurring and you're seeing it real time. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is probably one of the biggest changes is the instantaneous communications. And uh, NGA and, and actually all of the combat support agencies rely on comms, otherwise you couldn't get your product uh, to the warfighter. So I think geospatial intelligence fits in because in the cyber world there's still hardware mm-hmm. associated with it. It's not, you know, this this uh, mythical thing. The cloud is is what it is, but there are servers on the ground. It still has a location. It still has a location, and there are still people that influence what goes through cyberspace. And so, you still need to understand uh, the environment. Uh, your your ability to now overlay um, data on the human geography, mm-hmm. not just um, not just Earth and uh, geospatial, but all the other um, Attributes that helps us greatly uh, to visualize what mm-hmm. we're uh, what we're up against. And as cyber uh, becomes a norm, which I think it, it is in some way, uh, the ability to characterize the ground, the earth, on where something could be, uh, whether we know it to be there or not, helps. And I think uh, geospatial products uh, certainly helped us do that in the '90s and and into the 2000s, and I think it'll it'll be able to help us do that uh, in the future as well. And as the world becomes more and more data-centric, um, NGA's been working on improving our data capabilities, including workforce training. Um, so as intelligence challenges evolve, how important do you think data analytic skills are, and what other tools or training do you think analysts of the future will need? That's a, that's a good question. I, I've, I've discussed this with uh, Lieutenant General Stewart, uh, you know, it was more, we were talking more about OSINT and, and whether an all-source analyst uh, should be doing OSINT. It's just another ant that they use. By the way, OSINT stands for Open Source Intelligence, data collected from publicly available sources and used for intelligence purposes. And because of the proliferation of technology, the proliferation of sources, and ability to, to capture all this data, the big data that you just talked about, uh, I think we're both convinced now that uh, we need to somehow lessen the analytical load on an individual analyst. And so what, what I would say is that as technology proliferates, as data proliferates, um, we really need to be able to go through with some type of analytic software 
that allows an analyst to think about what is being collected and not actually sift through what's being collected. How we do that is a whole other story. I, mm-hmm. I don't think we've, uh, we've come to any conclusion there other than we need to be able to lift the cognitive burden uh, from the individual analyst. Uh, geospatial products, uh, when you look at what NGA does, I mean, a visual helps that uh, immensely. I can, I can take in a lot of information just by seeing it as opposed to listening to it or reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what the, the tools that I think analysts are going to need in the future, whether it's geospatial or all source or, or signals intelligence analysts, are going to be tools that can actually help sift through the data, the big data, as, as you, as you uh, mentioned uh, and right now, you know, the, the, the near term that everyone's using is uh, algorithmic uh, warfare, using algorithms to pull out the, the, the coherent data and information so that a human being can think about it and mm-hmm. actually render some type of decision or, or build some type of product. Leave so, the more complex problems yeah, maybe let, to right. the... Let the, let the machine, uh, you know, do that for us, let the computer do it so that you can think about what mm-hmm. it just did and, and what uh, implications of that are. We'll never get uh, past uh, our ability to look at disparate things and, and actually make a connection. Computers can do it, but we may see something from our knowledge in the past or our, our experiences mm-hmm. and go, it, it couldn't be that because. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that we're close now. Uh, NGA, I think you do that by, I mean, the visual. You deliver the data in a visual format, mm-hmm. and I can I can make sense of it because I can see it and, and absorb it a lot quicker than I can by reading it. So you still need the contextual data. You still need that yeah. uh, for the deep think uh, and for posterity. But uh, being able to see it is just, I mean, that, that old saying, a picture's worth a thousand words. I think it's probably worth <laughs> a lot more than a thousand. Yeah. Uh, so as the new director of intelligence for the Marine Corps, what are your biggest priorities moving forward and how can we support you best? Uh, so my m- number one priority is education and professionalization of, a, of our workforce. And not that they're not educated and professional now, mm-hmm. but I think moving forward for some of the reasons that I spoke about earlier, big data, you know, having such a cognitive uh, load on us right now, the more education, more experience, more knowledge I can uh, get into our, our workforce, the better off we'll be. Um, I believe, and I, I think the Marine Corps in general believes, that you make decisions at the lowest level possible. But to do that, you have to actually allow a junior Marine, in our case, or a junior civilian, you have to allow them to exercise some decision-making at some point. And if you do that early in their career, then you build their confidence. You, you also gain confidence in their decision-making ability, and you can mm-hmm. give them more responsibility earlier than later. And uh, with the, the way the world's uh, moving now, um, you'll, you'll keep hearing me say the proliferation of, of information. Mm-hmm. I, I can't afford to not have a corporal understand what's going on and then make a decision uh, based on their knowledge and based on their responsibilities. And... Uh, the workforce, to me, is the most important part of that. And when you look at our enemy um, or potential enemies, they they can take something right off the shelf and start working with it. They don't. They're not bounded uh, by some of the laws and some of the the, the legal things that we have in place. Uh, and and they, quite frankly, their moral compass may be a little bit different than ours. Uh, so, 
if I'm not there, someone needs to make a decision. I need to have already given them as much experience as possible, tested their judgment out, helped them be, uh, build their judgment uh, ability, and then just let them make decisions. And you speed up tempo that way, uh, and you just have a better organization. And I don't think anybody can prove me any different yeah. on that. The more your em uh, employees know, uh, the more they understand what you're trying to do, mm -hmm. the more opportunities they'll see, and the better off the organization will be if you uh, allow them to, to do that. I think that's good advice for any organization, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah, not just the military, but right. any organization. Trying to make money, I guarantee you, if, if your employees understand what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it, and you give them the good training, good education, and opportunity, mm -hmm. They'll make decisions, and uh, they'll speed up your sales. They'll speed up your product. And they'll speed up decision-making so that you can be more, in my case, more lethal uh, and more, um, more transparent. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and special thanks to General Henry for sitting down with us today. Geo Interesting is produced by NGA's Office of Corporate Communications. You can like NGA on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter and never miss an episode of this podcast by subscribing on iTunes and SoundCloud.